the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. I, I don't. Did you see the post from Steve Carell? Did you see this? I, I love it. I love it. This is exactly where we are as a society. Because The Office is on Netflix and replaying, a lot more people have seen it recently. And I think because of that, there's been a resurgence in interest in the show and talk about bringing it back. But apart from the fact that I just don't think that's a good idea, it might be impossible to do the show today and uh, have people accept it the way it was accepted 10, 10 years ago. The climate is different. I mean, the whole idea of that character, Michael Scott, it, so much of it was predicted on inappropriate behavior. I mean, he's certainly not a model boss. And a lot of what is depicted on that show is completely wrong-minded. That's the point, you know. But I just don't know how it would fly now. There's very high awareness of offensive things today, which is good for sure. But at the same time, when you take a character like that too literally, it doesn't really work. He's right. 100% right on that comment. Yeah, he's weak. Oh, I disagree. I think he's pointing. I think he's criticizing. Do you? Yeah, I do. I, I actually legitimately do think he's criticizing this climate. Obviously, he agrees with with Me Too and everything else. But I think well, he, I agree with the exactly. The, we all the agree. point of Me Too. We all agree that women should not have the, to deal with this nonsense. Correct. But I mean, I think what he's saying is, I don't even think you could do like it's like Microsoft. Remember Bill Gates? I don't even think you could start Microsoft today. I think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying I don't even think you could start the office today. People would be too offended. It wouldn't even work. So. Let me give. Let me go here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take you to uh, Ithaca College. Ithaca College, brand new holiday in America, according to uh, Ithaca College, uh, and we all must support it now. Yo, sure, you didn't know you needed another holiday, but you do. It's International Pronouns Day. Now it hasn't gone nationwide yet because it was just invented, but. If Ithaca College and the mayor of Ithaca, New York, have anything to do with it, this is going to be a treasured holiday. You will, your kids will say, where were you uh, when they, they first started International Pronouns Day? And you'll say, <laughs> kids, well, I was on the cliff of insanity. I was they, in hell is where I was. If you judge a book by a cover, uh, you might think Pronouns Day celebrates the joy of good grammar. But no, no. You'd be totally wrong. Pronouns Day is going to celebrate the LGBTQI community and highlight how insidious structural racism, misogyny, and classism all interweaves together and how it causes oppression. See, that's, a, that's our thing now. <clears throat> you go to college, not to, not to learn how to, uh, you know, uh, make things, build things, do things. No, no, no. You go to college now to figure out how oppressed you are. Oh, my gosh. I hate to spoil a good holiday, but the um, focus on oppression sounds a lot like, you know, the airing of grievances, which, as any fan of Seinfeld will tell you, is a... Uh, uh, you know, part of another made-up holiday called <laughs> Festivus. So I don't know if I need to point that out. New Holiday is the uh, brainchild of Ithaca College's Center for LGBT... Oh, wait a minute. They didn't use the Q and the I? Oh, my gosh. I am so offended. It's just the LGBT education, outreach, and services with the support of Ithaca's mayor's office. The International Pronouns Day website explains referring to people by the pronouns they determine for themselves is basic human dignity. You know, <laughs> I am a I am a one winged 
purple dragon and you will refer to me as that from here on now <laughs> from here on out being referred to by the wrong pronouns particularly affects transgender and gender non-conforming people together we can transform society to celebrate people's multiple intersecting identities oh man you know, I try to be a good person. I really do. I try to be a peaceful person. I try to let Jesus and Martin Luther King and Gandhi and Abraham Lincoln and all of those great men really kind of guide my life. And then I read something like this, and all I can think of is, shut up. Shut up. Whew. So I apologize in advance for even thinking that. Oh, boy, I hope I'm not deplatformed. Oh, my. Oh, geez. If Google could just start installing fMRIs in all of our devices, they would be able to read our minds and be able to see who's good and bad and who should be deplatformed and silenced and quite, quite frankly, perhaps liquidated. Now, uh, the uh, director of the Ithaca College LGBT, I don't know if you're Q and I, how you feel about this place, but the, <laughs> the LGBT center says, this holiday is not just important. It is required. It is required that we all call people by the pronouns they wish to use. To confer basic dignity and respect. So compelled speech. We're no longer into freedom of speech. You can't speak your mind. But if you don't speak someone else's mind. Hasta la pasta. Oh my gosh. I've just. I have just appropriated both Mexico and Italy. Oh, the horror of it all. It is required now. So, I don't know if this holiday comes with a handy pronoun guide, but it should never be written down on paper because it is going to change every single day. It's impossible for those of us who are stuck in the he and she world. You know, us old farts that just say a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Oh, we're so out of touch. Oh, and dangerous, I'll tell you that right now. International Pronouns Day make its, makes its debut next Wednesday, October 17th. So let me be the first to tell you there's only five more shopping days left. It's Friday, October 12th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Hello. Hello, Stu. Glenn, how are you? Excuse me? Uh, monsieur? Purple One Wing Dragon. Purple One Wing Dragon. Your Majesty Highness. Your Majesty Highness. Thank you. How are you? Good. Good. Sir, stop. What are you? That's right. My goodness, you're just using whoa, sir, and madam. Welcome to Jason Buttrill, who is with us today. 
I was just thinking, did you just get his name right? I don't I know mean, anymore. Oh, it did happen. I, think that just, I don't know anymore. <laughs> this is a major day. Yeah. Right? Wow, that was it, right? It. I, at this point, he screwed it up so many times. I don't know which one is <laughs> right. My, yes, now you know the world I live in. <laughs> but I get it right. Glenn is the one who gets it wrong. No. The professional I've broadcaster. I've only known him for five years. What's my name? What? What's my name? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Your highness. <laughs> so anyway, Jason is uh, Jason's our guy who... Uh, you know, uh, is kind of a, a wannabe spook and uh, is, can I say that anymore? Oh my gosh. My apologies to actual Halloween spooks and to the CIA. I apologize. <laughs> so um, Jason is a guy who watches uh, international affairs for us. And I am fascinated by this story of Khashoggi uh, from, uh, from Saudi Arabia. Uh, and I want you to bring me I want you to bring me the news that no one in the news is reporting on this, but let me bring everybody up to speed. If you haven't been following this guy, in a nutshell, he works for the Washington Post. He's a revered, revered reporter, which makes me suspicious immediately. But he's a revered uh, uh, reporter, Washington Post. He is a Saudi citizen. He was uh, over in Turkey. He's going to get married, and so he's like, I need my divorce papers from the embassy. And so he goes over to the Saudi embassy. He tells his fiance, wait in the car. I'll be right back. She waits right in front of the embassy. Hours and hours and hours are going by. She's calling his phone. No answer on his phone. He's not coming out. She calls the embassy and they say, oh, no, he left. Oh, he left just a Oh, He came in. We gave him the papers and he went on his way. And she's like, I've been sitting outside. Whoa. I'm not sure if he went out. I'm yeah. Bill, did he go out the front door? <laughs> yes. So Bill and the other guy, Mahmoud, says, yes, he went out the front door. Well, CCTV cameras show that he didn't ever leave the Saudi embassy, at least by the front door. So the next thing we find out, this was yesterday, is the Saudis, um, the Saudi prince, lands a Gulf Stream, his Gulf Stream, at the airport, their um in Turkey, about an hour or so after the guy goes into the uh, into the uh, embassy, these guys get off the plane with what appeared to be a lot of empty suitcases. They pile them in the back of the vans. They're driving to the embassy. They decide for some reason or another they need more empty suitcases. They buy some more empty suitcases. They also stop just a real quick. You know, I don't know. Maybe the chef needed it at the embassy, but they needed a bone saw. <laughs> they buy a bone saw. Oh, thank you so much. Now we can have soup. And uh, so they get the bone saw. God only knows what they do in the embassy, but they're seen leaving about an hour later with really heavy suitcases. They throw them into the back of the van. They throw them on the jet and the jet takes off. Meantime, United States says we do have uh, we do have uh, encrypted uh, messages showing that the Saudi prince was trying to entrap him or tried to trap him and get him into the embassy or get him back to Saudi Arabia. Uh, and today, and I don't know if I believe this because it's Turkey, but Turkey says that they have either given to the United States or shown the United States this video and audio. They say they have surveillance in the embassy of him being questioned and then tortured and then murdered. We don't know if that is true, but that's the latest today. So, Khashoggi, we're going to find out who this guy 
is and was possibly uh, when we come back, because this is the part of the story that no one surely CNN and Christiane Anampour would want you to have this information. We'll give that to you next. Let me tell you about our Palm Beach letter. Tika Tuari is crypto course. 97% of the people who take his crypto course give it a four or five star rating. And these are people that range from, you know, people like me. I didn't get into cryptocurrency um, at all because I thought, I don't know any. I listen to Warren Buffett. Uh, and uh, Warren Buffett said, don't, don't ever, no, no, don't ever invest in something that you don't understand. Uh, it's not that you act like that's bad advice. That's actually really good advice. <laughs> it really is, except for <laughs> cryptocurrency, well, except w- for some stuff that is happening now. Like, do you understand? Do you really understand AI and AGI and ASI? No. Yeah. Oh, no, do I you do think not. you're ever going to? Probably not. Right. Are you going to invest in it? Absolutely. (laughs) But again, I'm just gambling. (laughs) Right. Quantum (laughs) mechanics. Okay, let's go to the quantum computing field. They don't even understand it. (laughs) Fair. Okay, right? So it's kind of those things. Anyway, so for people like that that don't understand it at all to people who kind of understand it, this is a place for you to go and learn what blockchain is, what cryptocurrency is, why it works, why it why it really appears to be the uh, the pathway to freedom in the end, I think. Everybody should have $100 in Bitcoin, um, I believe. But that's just me. I want you to go to take this course. Go to um, uh, smartcryptocourse.com. That's smartcryptocourse.com. Man, I'm a good broadcaster. Every good broadcaster does this. Uh, this is why we need AI. Because it then is. we can just replace us with people oh who can gosh, speak. It'd be so much mm-hmm. better. Robots that can just communicate Amen. their points with some level of. We'll just find some Google algorithm that will just mm-hmm. help help that AI be just like us. <laughs> smartcryptocourse.com. That's smartcryptocourse.com or call 877 PBL Beck for more information. 877 PBL Beck. Smartcryptocourse.com. Uh, by the way, I have to squeeze in today. R- remind me, Stu. I want to start a a, a pro Melania Trump, uh, I don't know group, something I don't know. She is she is she is the the most elegant first lady we have had since Jackie O. She's not been on any cover of any magazine. She hasn't. Nobody says anything nice about her. Nobody <laughs> says incredible. It's incredible that, that when she was when she was out just recently last last week in where Africa and. This was a Ralph Lauren photo shoot. It was one some of the most beautiful photos. She was in Egypt in front of the in front of the uh, pyramids. It was incredible, so beautiful, so tasteful. Nothing, you know. This oh. is it's not a major issue, obviously per se, as you compare it to others. But what this I honestly think me. it is. The most pure example we have yes. of media bias. Yes, it is in my book. That's the McDonald's French fry. Remember when I was saying, you don't remember that part when I said, if everybody says they hate McDonald's, okay, that's fine. But if you can't admit that you like their French fries or that they make the (laughs) kick-ass French fries that they do, then you have no credibility. Melania Trump is the McDonald's French fry. I'm shocked you brought it to fast food. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Hang on. We got to talk about uh, Kosagi. 
Tell me about this guy, this Saudi citizen that's been disappeared. I'm always I'm always amazed how the media just, just stops doing any kind of journalism. Like, like I see the stories they're writing, and I'm like, this is not what I would be writing about at all. For one, yes, this is like a Quentin Tarantino-style movie. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. I absolutely think the Saudis are guilty on this. I think Turkey is probably overplaying what they do have, probably just a little bit, because mm-hmm. they hate Saudis. But um, but everyone's framing this 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 uh this journalist Khashoggi as this great guy, Nobel Prize winning. Oh yeah, you know, he's got to be. He'll be a Nobel Peace Prize winner soon. He came up so surprise surprise. He really came into prominence. The, the media loved him. The West loved him during the Obama administration. Uh, why was that? Because well, he was one of these ones advocating for democracy in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and other places when the Arab Spring was breaking out. Mm-hmm. Now that lines up exactly what the Obama administration was wanting to do. And also, who were they in bed with? The Muslim Brotherhood in places like Egypt. Well, surprise, surprise, Khashoggi is Muslim Brotherhood. He's actually that's the reason why he's not in. They, the people in the media have said, oh well, he spoke out against you know the uh, the, the kingdom, the Saudi kingdom, mm-hmm. and that's probably why they didn't like him. No kidding. But it goes way beyond that. Like. They support a political Islam group that wants to overthrow the monarchy. It's a lot goes a lot further than oh yeah he spoke out against them. Yeah he is public and I wouldn't say public enemy number one, but he's right up in that group with them. Um, and this he was is, friends with the crown prince though, was he not? Um, I That's don't, how they're framing it. He was friends. He was he was he he loved the crown prince. They got along and and uh, he said a lot of great things about the crown prince. Now he disagrees with some of the crown prince's policies, and that's where they've. Wants to take the Saudi out of Saudi Arabia, basically. That's the best way to put it for this guy. But he's a he's not a good guy. He wants political Islam. He wants political Islam to invade countries all over the world and take it over. And he was living here for or quite a while before he went to oh, working Turkey. at the Washington Post. So yeah, no no issues there whatsoever. Um, on, on the other hand, so you have this one guy that's not that great of a guy. Then on the other hand, you have uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, who everyone is saying, this is this great reformer. He, he, he's a great guy. He's a great leader. He's going to modernize Saudi Arabia. Women can drive now. All these social issues he's tackling. He's a thug. Plain and simple, he is a thug. They go after, he's doing this to tons and tons of people, thousands of people in his own country. People just disappear. They go to jail for the rest of their lives. He is a thug. And the only reason he's tackling social issues is because they have a lot of young people in Saudi Arabia and social unrest is about to hit the street. If you want to see the place where the next uh, Arab Spring might happen, Saudi Arabia. The the demographics point to it. I would not be surprised. Right. So how do you keep Saudi Arabia under control, though, without a thug? You can't. I mean, it's like Russia, really. Right. Groups like countries like that, you really can't. Here's the disturbing part. Most likely, most likely this guy was killed by Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, It just it just feels like maybe all of a sudden he pops up and it's like, no, I was at Chick-fil-A and nobody in the media (laughs) wants to look at Chick-fil-A. So I was invisible for a while. Maybe doubtful. Here's the problem. We are we are pushing through a major arms deal with Saudi Arabia. We should not be doing that. Nope. We should not be doing that. That should be canceled today. I can tell you, however, what is being what is happening is, you know, the United States was supporting the Muslim Brotherhood. Now we have some people who know exactly what's going on in that part of the world, and they're probably being talked to by Saudi Arabia going, look, look, guys, guys. Yeah, I know you don't like what we're doing here, but uh, it's a Muslim Brotherhood and it's a caliphate. You want you want the whole region to be in a Muslim Brotherhood caliphate? 
have at it. Yeah. And that's the decision our president is is having to make. It's why we should stay out of other people's businesses. Amen. Stay out of their business. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. So I think that Saudi Arabia will eventually own up to this because I think the evidence will come after them. I think they'll they'll blame a very familiar uh, foe and they'll say it's the deep state. The deep state did this and they'll shelter Salman. Get him out of there. Thank you, Jason. Back in a minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Just a second. We, everybody on their best behavior. We have an Eagle Scout on the phone. Hunter Kelly. Wow. Hunter, how are you? I'm doing great, Mr. Beck. Thank you very much. Good. We're on our best behavior because I know you're a... You're, you're, are you trying to get your Eagle Scout or are you an Eagle Scout? I'm trying. This will, this will get me there. Okay. All right. Uh, and and what, are you, what are you doing for your Eagle Scout project? I am trying to raise $15,000 for Operation Underground Railroad. And, 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 and why did you pick that as your project? Um, my dad heard about Operation Underground Railroad through you, actually. And he told me about it. And um, this will make more of a difference than uh, just make doing something around my community. So I want to do something big uh, i mean because usually you know somebody fixes up a park or they do you know they do they i mean the eagles eagle eagle projects are are responsible for a lot of really cool things but you have uh, yeah. selected saving children um yeah fixing up a park and stuff that'll that'll help but it doesn't change someone's life for forever and generations after them so what have you done so far to raise money? How, how, where are you on this? Um, so far, I've uh, put a campaign out on Facebook and just kind of spread it by word of mouth. I've gotten um, 4600 so far. Oh, wow. But I'm getting there. You, sa- you sound kind of, uh, I mean, you're, you're very reserved. Are you, I mean, you sound very, you know, are you excited about the $4,600 that you've raised so far? Or? I'm really excited. I'm. Okay. I was expecting I wouldn't have to do a lot more to get that much money. And what have you done to generous. to raise that money? Um, like I said, so far just word of mouth. I was, um, wasn't sure what I was going to do next to raise money. But have you have you thought about breaking into people's houses? I mean, there are people that have a ton. They wouldn't even they wouldn't even notice that it was missing. I don't, I don't know if you. Have you thought of that? It's probably probably a bad idea, though. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I should probably yeah, do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so, do you have like a website or 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 what? Do you how how could we help um, you? No, I don't have a website. I um, have a just a Facebook campaign to my dad's uh, Facebook. I don't know. I tell you what. Why, why don't we just because I think at OUR can't you can't you just say I'm giving it as a gift. Under under your name, so you could do it as Hunter Kelly. So uh, yeah. I, I would challenge I, I would challenge the audience to do this, and uh, I will start with a thousand dollars, and that's if Stu will do a thousand dollars. 
I don't have a thousand dollars. You don't pay me enough. <laughs> Five hundred. You don't pay me two fifty. Two fifty. Two dollars and I can do two fifty. No, two dollars and fifty cents. Put me down. Under, make sure you put it under Hunter Kelly and use your card, Marissa. You are such. You're just greedy. <laughs> you're just greedy. Uh, uh, so so go to ourrescue.org and uh, and uh, help Hunter uh, save kids with fifteen grand. How many kids can you save? Um, 15 grand should k- save five kids with, uh, 300,000, 3,000 per kid. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. So go to our I think if this works, if you have 15,000 by the end of the weekend, uh, I think I need a, I need, I need a, some sort of a helper badge. <laughs> just saying. Wow. I just, I just realized I just saved 0.08% of a chick of a kid. Really? Myself. That's well, fantastic. through Marissa's I've credit. sent a third of a kid, and I want that third of a kid. Uh, wow. Right. Congratulations. Uh, our, <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> ourrescue.org. Ourrescue.org. Go there and, uh, and make it under the name of Hunter Kelly and make a donation now. Thanks, Hunter. God bless. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, I, we got a letter from him, and our staff has been talking to him back and forth, and they, are, they were all like, do not give him a hard time. He is the sweetest <laughs> kid. He is so polite. He is so nice. And I'm like, yeah, that's what he wants you to believe, those Eagle Scouts. I mean, you have to be honest. We wouldn't have given him a hard time until they said until that. Until they said that. And, and then, then it's like, I have to give him a hard time. Now we have to encourage you know, breaking and entering. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it was forced on to us. To Mr. Kelly, the father, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Hunter Kelly and go to OURrescue.org. Uh, all right. Stu, I just want to warn you, because you have kids that are younger than mine. Mm-hmm. Teenage years are always frightening. Now, I've done this before. I've got two older kids that I saw through teenage years, and it was scary as hell. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not like it is now. And you are behind me. So I just want to warn you, you're in for the terror of your life. Oh it's like it's like a, a, a Blumhouse horror movie <laughs> all the time. Really? Oh, my gosh. It is so frightening because, you know, kids, when they go into their teenage years, their bodies are changing and everything else. And they, you know, they start not listening to mom and dad and yada, yada, all the usual stuff. OK. But now it's like, you know, it, 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 you could lose them overnight. And I mean lose them with depression rates the way they're going. With all of this influence that they can get, I'm just so freaked out all the time. And I can't believe that I'm alone. Oh, you can't. I'm sure you're not alone. Like, I was, you know, basically the perfect child, as my mom would vouch uh, for, for. If my mother hadn't uh, died, she would say the same <laughs> thing sure, about I'm me. Sure. Um, you know, but it's, it's, it, you're right. It gets dark fast. I think this stuff can swirl out of control really fast with, with social media and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to even contemplate dealing with that. But I mean, you know, your your kids seem like they're pretty in pretty good shape. I mean, they're That's what they ups- want you to believe. Upstanding young people. Yeah, uh, but they, you know, they, I mean, my son is now going. He's got testosterone, you know, pumping through his body, <laughs> and you know, I, I just it's it's frightening, I guess, because I remember what I was like. I remember how I felt, how I was moody and everything else, mm. and now, you know, what's real, what's not, what's it's just so hard. And, I, you know, I said to my son, 
I said to my son last night, we were having a conversation, and I said, so what are, what are the two words? Because he was talking himself down. And I said, stop, stop. Listen to yourself. And he said, what? And I said, listen to what you're creating. Listen to what you're saying. And I gave him the dad I am speech that I've said how many times? If you hear it one more time, oh my gosh. you're going to kill yourself, yeah, right? A hundred times on the air you've said, okay. you've said this. I started in this and I said, you know this. And he said, I, I don't. I said, I, I've I, oh my gosh, have I not told you this? <laughs> you haven't told your own kids, but you told the national radio audience over and over and times. over again. Yeah. And I realized that there are some things that we just think our kids hear. And because they're around us, they just know they're going to pick up. I mean, he's in American history right now. And, you know, he probably knows more than some kids or most kids on a lot of things. But other things are big gaping holes. And I realized, how much of my time with my son do I think he gets it through osmosis somehow or another? You know, just because he's living here and blah, blah, blah. And he hears me give speeches and he hears me on the radio and he hears it, blah, blah, blah. He's there. We it's maybe it's just me. I don't know if, if, if I'm just going through this. But my gosh, you have to be very, very specific and watch what you're saying to your kids and and be with them all the time. And what's frightening is the influence is so strong and so sexy on the outside that it's the draw that they're just you're just black and white. The, everything else is color. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you, I mean, one suggestion is uh, it was a Jodie Foster movie, Panic Room. And she what she did is she was able to lock herself in the room and have no outside influences at all. And I think that's I something you should like consider. That. I like um, that. I know just I'm lock the family in there and just like, we're just in here. The black and white color thing is interesting, though, because uh, we had a guest on this program before, and she's on Wonderful World of Stew as well, Catherine Price. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book recently called How to Break Up with Your Phone. And in the book, just yesterday, I saw something on Twitter with her where she was talking about one thing that she suggested to how to break up with your phone, which was turn your phone to grayscale. So you can do this on an iPhone or an Android or whatever. And basically what it does is it goes to black and white. It looks like your old school black and white TV, right? Your, all the brilliant, vivid colors of your phone go away. And it's weird because you think, well, you know, what, what difference would that make? A lot. But, but when you turn it on, it, there's, there's something just pleasing with all those bright colors in your eyes. I, I decided to just do it because, I you know, I, there are things I have to do on my phone. I need to see my calendar. I need to be able to read articles. I need to be able to do a lot of the things I do for work are stored on my phone, you know, constantly emailing and doing all those things. That's important, and it's part of my job. But I don't need to you – know, there's times where you're just flipping through Instagram because it's there, right? And you put it in grayscale – it looks you turn it on you don't get you get a disappointment feeling when mm -hmm. you turn on your phone rather than a pleasing feeling it doesn't give you that rush of like oh wow look at all of that and you don't even realize you're getting it until you go to grayscale because when you turn when you open up your phone it just looks like junk <laughs> so let me uh, uh let me uh let me ask you this have you heard of these devices i don't even know somebody told me about them and i can't find i can't find exactly what i'm looking for mm -hmm. uh google has let me down um, I'm looking for something that shuts all devices off of the internet at certain times, gives 
each yeah. person, you know, and keeps that global record in one place and says, oh, you have used this amount of time on the Internet. You've done this. You've done that. You, you know, this shuts off at eight o'clock at night, you know, on these devices. Well, I know you're saying for like your kids for the whole family. Well, I, I know there are options for that. Like there's one app that you can uh, install on your on your kids' phones. My kids don't have phones. Right. But I mean, you're, yeah, I know okay. your kids pick up devices. Yes. Um, and you can turn things off or limit times through your device. So you can go on your on your side of the app and say, I only want this on for an hour and it'll just turn off after an hour on their devices. Also, I know um, depending on what Wi-Fi router system you have, like mm-hmm. we have Eero, which is like one of those. It's like a mesh network, and it you know covers the house. But you, you may you pr- you have no Mine idea. Is a, I have no idea, and it's a big r- a room of a rack oh, of okay. stuff. But through those, a lot of times through the new Wi-Fi routers, you can go right through there. So bef- it's bef- the internet coming into the house. You're getting it, you know, way before that. You can limit all the content at that level, which is. Is pretty good as well. We're to the point in my house where my my son is a seven, and we're to the point now where like I need to start putting these parental things on all of the, you know, because before like he doesn't care. He's going to see you know Paw Patrol. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. not looking for. I, I mean, right. and I don't think now he's looking for anything, but he could easily stumble on something. I don't want yeah, to I see just, a I, horror movie. I was watching I one kids movie. And they, the, the the YouTube spot came up. It was a horror movie commercial. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to make me wake it up at two in the morning. What they will see and find in YouTube is you know while well, we well they're busy with Prager University. Yeah, they're shutting them. They're down. shutting them down mm-hmm. because it's so dangerous for kids. <laughs> My gosh, I mean it's just. They're just exposed to so much stuff. And, you know, we need the Internet for homework and things like that. But, you know, you leave the room and here comes YouTube. And I mean, I just need to. So if anybody knows of a device that is a universal device, and my problem is I've got professional equipment in the house to to try to secure us as much as we can. Um, But and anything I find is just not compatible with that system i just need i just want to find a way to be able to shut it all off you get only so much time on this and that and shut it all off you don't have access to this after this time and no access to this app ever you you can do that i know there's also um they walked through how to do this in the uh, documentary the village um all you have to do (laughs) is move your family to a field, right. build some log cabins, and everything's it's good, totally fine. That's great. I love that idea. Thank you. I'm actually almost to that point. All right, let me tell you about Casper. Casper mattress, great mattress. If you if you're not sleeping well at night, try a Casper mattress, and that's uh, that's sincere. Just try it. Just try it. If you don't love it, you can send it back. You can't tell though after a couple nights of sleep. You can't. You can't lay on it, or even you go into a store. I mean, I'm not going to have enough time to figure out whether I like it or not. That's yeah. the problem. And the and, and the and you're right. Even after a couple of nights sleep, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm sure Casper didn't appreciate the first few <laughs> spots I did um, because I said I don't know if I like it because I didn't. I didn't know if I liked it. It took me about a week before my body was like, oh my gosh, I love this mattress. It takes a while. That's why they ask you to try it in your home for 100 nights. 
Try it now. Casper.com. Use the promo code Glenn and you're going to get um, you're going to get I think it's fifty dollars off towards the purchase of your select mattress. So it is Casper.com slash Glenn promo code Glenn. Try it out for 100 nights. If you don't love it, they'll come and pick it up and refund every single dime. Casper.com slash Glenn promo code Glenn terms and conditions do apply. Welcome to the program. Bill O'Reilly is coming up next. I don't think Bill probably has anything to say about, you know, the events of the week. What has even happened? Such a wallflower, yeah. isn't he? He's a wallflower and he's got nothing to talk about because there's been no news, you know? None. None. Uh, uh, except the dire warning. I just saw this on CNN. Dire warning. Dire warning. That was, it wasn't bulletin headline in red. Dire warning. And then underneath, the graphic said, uh, humans only have 11 years uh, to stop catastrophic climate change. Even if everything they said was true, how could anyone believe them at this point? Their sales job, every day they say we're in the middle of a nonstop catastrophe. We go in 10 years without hurricanes. They don't bring it up at all. And then as soon as we start getting hit by them again, it's all global warming's fault. And then they always say, here we are, a few years away. We must do something. When that few years comes, we it counted never, it down. They just move the goalpost back to a few more years yeah. and say, hey, a few more years until global catastrophe. We better act now. It was 10 years. It was a 10 year. It was the same warning. It was a 10-year warning. We counted it down. The UN, all of the activists said this date, if we don't do anything, it's irreversible. Now it's 10 years out again. What a surprise. Dire warning. Yeah, yeah. Stop listening to them. Glenn Beck. People say all the time, how the hell did we get here? How did we get here? That's what I love about history. I mean, once you really, if you're fascinated by history, you can just track things back. It's like your family tree. Look at the insanity and track it back. Where did this come from? There is genetic codes (laughs) riddled in everything that is happening in our country. You can track the DNA back. For example, political correctness. Oh, no, it was good because we all want to be good. Really? Is that it? I'll come back to it here in a second. Recent study called Hidden Tribes, study of America's polarized landscape. This was highlighted Wednesday in The Atlantic. Now, more specifically, how the majority of Americans hate political correctness. Wait a minute. What? 80% of America believes PC, quote, is a problem in our country, end quote. Oh, yeah. The further you break down the numbers, the more revealing it gets. This isn't going to surprise you. 97% of conservatives have serious issues with political correctness. But this number might. The majority of -of middle-of-the-road Democrats also hate political correctness. 61% of them, to be exact. The great divide between middle left and the middle right might actually be closer than you think. There is one group that loves, absolutely loves political correctness. And it is the extreme progressive. That is 8%. 8% of the population. The study found that 70% of progressives on the left fully support politically correct language. Now, that is amazing when you look at 
It's only 70% of 8%. What a small minority within America has successfully done and dominated the narrative in this country. Think about it. Progressives aren't even the majority on the left or in the Democratic Party. It's 8%. Yet somehow they have hypnotized the entire country into believing that everything we say or do has to be looked at through the lens of political correctness. Now, the youth, 74% hate PC. Asians, 82% hate PC. Hispanics, 87%. The numbers are all across the board. But progressives, a tiny minority, 8%, has all of us following their lead. Why? Why, why are progressives even so enamored with all of this? It's simple. To shut down any kind of debate or pub- public conversation that threatens their agenda. Progressives didn't invent this strategy. They stole it. And that's where, if you're a lover of history, you can go. Where did the new American left steal this strategy from? Political correctness, we believe, was first coined in the late 1920s. Not by progressives, but in the Soviet Union. It was used by the Communist Party when anyone had expressed a pro-capitalist viewpoint. They needed correction to the party line. So let's say a member of the Politburo was caught reading Adam Smith. That's politically incorrect. Maybe they expressed favor for privatizing state-run business. Very politically incorrect. Marxists knew that these ideas might actually be factually correct, but they were not politically correct. When you finally raise the progressive curtain, it reveals all of their secrets, and they are dark secrets. And at the same time, everything we're going through begins to make sense. It's Friday, October 12th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the program. Beck, how you doing? I am. Uh, I am very good. I'm very good. I, I mm-hmm. there is a uh, interview with uh, our first lady uh, today, and I believe our first lady has uh, displayed grace and uh, a great composure. Uh, and I don't care how you feel about the president. I think enough is enough with Melania Trump. Yeah, I mean, I don't see her. Um in a position where she's being vilified on a daily basis by the press. They snipe at her. I've known her for a long time. Um, very charming woman, uh, very intelligent, um, loves children. Um, I think she's done a very good job as first lady, and there's really no reason to disparage Melania Trump. You know, it, it, so. my, my breaking point was last week when she was over in Egypt and she was over in Africa. Yeah. And the, the photos coming back of her were beautiful. I mean, it was a Ralph Lauren photo spread. And all mm-hmm. the press could do was if they published any of those photos, uh, they just tore her down for colonialism and all this crap. Colonialism. I know. Uh, and I then know. She, mean, here she is. Know, the, the, hang think- on. The most beautiful woman in the oval office with the with the greatest style since jackie o they loved camelot and her style she was on the cover of every fashion magazine 
But no fashion magazine will put Melania Trump on. No, that, of course not. Because ridiculous. then they couldn't go out to their cocktail parties and Correct. all that. You did, you did your commentary on the uh, political correctness, the 8%. But, Beck, you, met, you left out some really big thing. This could never have happened without the media. open support of the media. Yes. I put the media the in that 8%. Correctness. Hey, uh, let me just tell you an, an, um, a quick story, okay? All right. So this week I've been doing a lot of uh, promotion for Killing the SS, which came out on Tuesday. And in that promotion, I'm basically saying that we in America are seeing a rise of hate and evil. And I tie it in a number of ways. One of the ways that I tied it in was that George Soros and his crew have bought up about 20 PACs, political action committees, and they they send them out on missions. And one of those missions was Senator Flake in the elevator with the CNN camera right behind the woman screaming at him uh, because she was a victim of something and he was an idiot for not uh, siding with her. Who's the woman? The woman's an activist in a Soros pack making $175,000 a year. All right, so I tell that story, which is entirely accurate, 100% correct, and Media Matters within a half an hour says that I compared the woman to the Third Reich. Okay. No, that's what's going on here. That, that's what's in the play. So the 8% progressive zealot fanatics could never have imposed anything on this country without the media taking up their cause and actually doing the dirty work. I put the media in that 8%. It's the, it is the reason why it has swept the country. It is, you're right, because of the media, but they are right. part of that 8%. Look what happened to Kanye West, my favorite guy of all time. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So Kanye West... Who I, I, I didn't really meet him. I was in an elevator with him at Madison right. Square Garden one right, time. Right. He had short pants on, and he was brooding. Right. Okay. So he goes on Saturday Night Live, which has staked out territory to destroy Donald Trump because it's good for Saturday Night Live's ratings. That's why they do it. All right? So Kanye goes, gets invited to go on. He wears the Make America Great Again hat, and, and no one likes him. And he's shunned, and he, he's, he's brooding again because he's being bullied by Saturday Night Live. Okay, fine. Um, then, because of that, Trump invites him to the Oval Office, where Kanye walks in with the hat and, and does Lombada with the president, or whatever they did. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, why does anyone care why? <laughs> Thank you for saying so, this. He CNN is, he's talking his whole he's, day. Yeah, I know. He's talking about what he wants to buy Kanye West. Right. Now, Taylor Swift, she comes out against Trump. All right. And she's telling everybody in Tennessee, I am about against them. So Taylor Swift and Kanye West, do I care what they think about geopolitics in any regard? Beck, the answer is no, I don't. And no one else does either. But this is a tremendous example of political correctness. That Kanye West is going against the PC, so he must be vilified. So I want to, I want to, I want to come back because you, I need to. You, maybe you should get a cup of coffee in or something. I need you to get a little, a little more animated here, Bill. All right. Uh, but All right. when we when we come back, I want to ask you about because you follow ratings. 
the ratings are falling apart. Let's look at the numbers of, you know, from like Beto uh, and and others that are running in the Senate. The numbers seem to be falling apart. I think that there is a change afoot and the Democrats don't see it. And when they get their head handed to them uh, by the people, I think they're going to double down yet again. We'll get Bill O'Reilly's comment on that coming up in just a second. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. His new book is out. It is uh, Killing the uh, SS, and it is really good. It's worth the read. Uh, pick it up and uh, and read it. It's really, really good. All right. ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is smart technology, and um, it is, it's really brilliant what they've done. They have a, a really brilliant CEO, uh, and he's a high-tech guy. And it's, you know, when, when ZipRecruiter first came out, it was a way for you to not have to have an HR department. Uh, you, could, you could post a job on all of the different websites. Well, since that point... ZipRecruiter has become the number one website. So now they not only post everything there, but they have all of this internal data and they really listen to you. This smart technology really tries to find out exactly what you're uh, what you're looking for. So if if you have, you know, a big job open up, you know, PR director or whatever it is, you don't mind finding, you know, seeing the right person if they're in California and you're in New York. But if you're, you know, a Starbucks and you're looking for a barista, you don't care that, you know, you're in New York and somebody's in Santa Monica. You need the person right across the street. So they don't just dump everybody uh, onto your onto your plate. The smart technology goes through and really looks for it. Also, they look for the people that are not necessarily out there uh, seeing, you know, your ad or reading your post. They go out and invite it is really amazing. It is why they have uh, turned um, turned out now that you get a qualified candidate it used to be within 24 hours. It's now down usually to about an hour or two. That's remarkable. ZipRecruiter. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. B-E-C-K. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. It's the smartest way to hire. Bill O'Reilly, let's talk a little bit about uh, what the Democrats should be learning and what they're not learning. Kavanaugh, since that uh, since that nightmare, looks like the poll numbers are are switching dramatically, at least in the Senate. Yeah, Senate polls have been really good for Republicans since the Kavanaugh thing, which I don't know if that's a huge surprise to anybody. But I mean, you know, Beto is now down by it looks like eight to Ted Cruz, which is you know about double the lead he had before then and then and then as bill mentioned taylor swift comes out and talks about how bad marcia blackburn is latest poll has her up by 14 in which was thought it to be a toss-up race yeah i mean it's i i don't think the democrats are learning their lesson and yet they're doubling down bill i'd like to hear your thoughts on on uh, what eric holder said this week and hillary clinton yeah, um, I, I paid more attention to what uh, Kanye West and Taylor Swift said than, uh, <laughs> right, than Hillary okay. Clinton and, right. and Eric I know, Holder. I, I know. Um, Dennis Miller thinks that Eric Holder is really uh, Stedman, uh, Oprah's boyfriend, <laughs> and, and they look alike. And you should put that up on uh, The Blaze, mm-hmm. just side mm-hmm. by side. Anyway, um, there's a few interesting things in play here. Beto has raised $38 million dollars. 
in the last uh, six months or so, which is breaks every work in the world. Where is that money coming from? It's coming from uh, Soros and his guys and the Hollywood people and all of that. So he'll stay competitive. I think he'll lose. Um, I Hang think on. That- let, me, let me stop there. Go ahead. What, I've met people who have given to both sides millions of dollars. They're not happy with the party that loses. When you give a lot of money uh, and the party says, no, this is the one, this is going to change everything, and then you lose, especially if they lose by eight points. But those are normal people. I'm talking no. about the real shadowy guys. That's what's Beto's getting. Um, he's getting that big Soros money coming in. I guess, maybe, yeah. Um, and he doesn't, all they just want, you know, search and destroy. So I think that, you know, I agree with you, Beck, and that always hurts my toes when I say that, <laughs> um, that there is a backlash and that the Kavanaugh spectacle alienated decent, and when I say decent, I mean fair-minded people. Yeah, both Democrat that, and Republican. You know, when you have, and, and, I, and I bring this up a lot, um, no one working for you and no one working for me could have tweeted out, well, Kavanaugh was confirmed, but at least we destroyed his life. Remember that tweet? Yes. Who did it come from? came from Letterman's uh, writers. Colbert. Oh, Colbert, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Right. Sorry. Okay. One of the writers for Letterman (laughs) uh, for Colbert, (laughs) both insane. One of the writers for Colbert tweeted that out. Okay. One of the most hateful things I've ever seen. So if that happened in your organization, my organization, then that person wouldn't be working for if, us. If we, would have tweet, if we would have tweeted out, but at least we got uh, Ford, least we, least we yeah. really destroyed her, it would have right. been a horror show. The right. person would not be working today. And they probably couldn't go out of the house. Right. So people know this. Um, even if you like Colbert, which I don't, um, even if you uh, are sympathetic to... Uh, Dr. Ford and and all of that Me Too stuff, even if you're buying into it, you've got to know, all right, that the rhetoric and the plan to destroy human beings is not what America is all about. Yes. It's not. And, and, you know, when you think in history, Stalin and Hitler and, and what they did by destroying their opposition, you know, later on it was physically, but in the beginning they couldn't murder people. But they did it other ways. And that's exactly what we're seeing here in America. The hate is rising. The fear is rising. All of this is in play. And guys like you and I, unfortunately, we have to fight against this. And then that puts us in the kill zone. But to get back to the politics, I do think there's going to be a backlash. I'm not sure about the House of Representatives. But the Senate, I believe, will um, be even more Republican than it is now. So let me let me ask you this. If if they do have they they lose the Senate where just a few weeks ago, the the person who was in the best position to win for the Republicans was Ted Cruz. And he was only one or two points ahead of of Beto. So he was in the best position. Now it looks like they could if I mean, if it's a good day, they could end up with a majority of fifty four, fifty five. Yeah. That's significant if especially with, you know, Donald Trump as president, the most hated man of all time. If if 
they do lose, do you think they will say, okay, wait a minute, this democratic socialism, this anger and no, all of that? No, they're never going to do that. Right. They're going to go. They're going to go harder, don't you think? Yeah, of course. I mean, these people are really, really deranged, and and there are some on that on the right like that as well. Yes, but not nearly uh, the numbers on the left, and of course, the media promotes that. Um, but if they win, the Democrats win the House, then you're go- that's all you're going to hear. You're not going to hear anything about the Senate. Yes. Um, and the House, you know, that's a little shaky because, as everybody knows, uh, the first term in Clinton, the first term in Obama, um, they lost. You always do. Um, and, and the opposition party you always uh, won the House. Right. And that's just the way Americans do it. usually vote. Yeah. So, Bill, how do you feel about the use of the M-word? The M word? <laughs> you, yeah, you know, the M word. You're not going to use the M word, are you? The I don't know what it is, Beck. Oh, You're my gosh. You're well, with me. No, I am not, Bill. Uh, uh, two, two anchors on CNN this week freaked out because a guest was saying the M word when he was talking about these protesters about Kavanaugh. The, the prote- mob word. Oh, my gosh. Don't I say. Oh, my now. gosh. Don't say mob. How could you oh, say you can't. Can you be- right. can you believe that? No, How would you define uh, mob? The Tea Party was uh, labeled a mob, and so do you. Yep. And they uh, they Where's danced that? around the set, going, "There's the mob. There's the mob. Look at the mob." But now you can't do that. Of course, it's a mob. Um, that that Kavanaugh thing was. Uh, there was no better example in modern pol- political history than than a mob in that. No better example. Are the numbers, quickly, I've got about 25 seconds, are the numbers in cable news still going down? Are people waking up to this? I'm going to have to talk about that when we come back from the break because um, they're not going down in the wake of a Kavanaugh or the wake of a hurricane story. But there is erosion, and I'll tell you why it's happening. Okay, back with Bill O'Reilly, who has his new book out, came this week. Make sure you pick it up, Killing the SS. It's really good. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. GlennBeck.com slash tour is the place you should go if you feel like I do, that the only thing we can do right now with all the nonsense from the Democratic Party is to laugh at them. Uh, you want to be part of this tour. It's uh, going all around the country. You can get all the dates at GlennBeck.com uh, slash tour. Uh, there's lots of cool packages with books involved and everything else. It's the Addicted to Outrage Tour going around America. Bill, you should come. You should come. We should, we should do one of these together. You know, uh, be a camp follower. I'll probably go from town to town. No, no, no. You should come. You should pick a city and you should come, and we'll do one together. It'd be fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it's possible yeah, we can do that. Um, that. Hmm. But I, I'd, I'd rather kind of like stand outside as no, they do no. in Nor- North a- Beach, San Francisco, <laughs> and just kind of, hey, Glenn Beck here, everyone. Come on in. Two for one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, uh, last question here on, on this stuff. Tell me about the press and the numbers. Okay, so what's happening is not just in cable news, but it's in all kinds of television watching, is that the machines have now overwhelmed the American public, your devices, whatever you call it. The urchins started it. They don't watch television anymore. Um, My kids used to. They don't anymore. And now news consumption is following in that regard. So people are getting used to the fact that BillOReilly.com is there, the Blaze is there, they can get it whenever they want, 24-7. So why do I have to sit there and wait for some show to come on? That's the under 
55 set in America. Yes. Over 55, they still like their martinis. They like the clicker. <laughs> they like 8 o'clock knowing that somebody's on. Right. And they ha- then, but they're starting to get bored with it, Beck. Because if you watch it, it's numbing. The same thing said over and over. How many times can human beings say the phrase, at the end of the day? We are now at 52 million times on cable news. <laughs> All right? It's just insipid, word of the day, insipid. Um, and you, you want information. You want a vibrant opinion that perhaps is a little bit different. You never get it. And so it's the guests rather than the hosts. The hosts are who they are, and you like them or you don't. But the guess, I mean, it's just impossible to watch. Impossible. It really is. Yeah. It really so is. So the erosion you can see in the demographics, it's there on the page every night on the overnight ratings. The younger people are going away. That's the first sign. And then the cracks uh, once Trump gets off the stage, because he drives everything now, mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, media. Once he gets off the stage, it'll all collapse. So, Bill, let's spend a few minutes on your, uh, on your book. Thank you. Let's uh, let's talk about, um, you know, I know why you wrote this book to to parallel and show the parallels of evil and how that can happen. Um, But I'm 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 fascinated by the stories that that you tell in this. Let me tell you, too, uh, so your listeners will understand what we're doing here. There was a concentration camp named Ravensbrück. It was for women. Just women. And it was north of Berlin. And nobody ever heard of it. Of course, the concentration camps were kept away from the German people. They weren't spotlighted. There was no news reportage in the Third Reich. You did what they said, or they put a bullet in your head, or you went to the concentration camp. So anyway, at this concentration camp was a young woman named Elfriede Huff, H-U-T-H. And she had a German shepherd dog, as most of the SS guards did. And she terrorized women, uh, and participated in heinous crimes against them. Before the war, she was a seamstress and went to work and came home and had a Wiener schnitzel or whatever you do in Germany, okay? And then all of a sudden, she's in a black uniform, um, killing and maiming and torturing other people, Elfriede Huff. After the war ends, Elfriede comes to San Francisco all right, gets to San Francisco on a refugee visa in 1959. All right, settles, marries a Jew. Everybody in the neighborhood loves her. Elfriede's the nicest woman. Fifty years later, they get her. The State Department finally tracks her down, sends her back to Germany, where she's still alive, Beck, and every month gets a United States Social Security check. Quite a story, huh? It's it's amazing how these people just mm. disappeared, and they were helped by us. A year before the war ended, Heinrich Himmler, the head of the SS and one of the most heinous human beings ever to walk the planet, knew that they were going to lose. So they formed an organization called Odessa. You may remember the movie The Odessa File. Mm-hmm. They had packs of money. And they spread out all over Europe, and they designed escape routes for the SS in the concentration camps. Eichmann, Mangala, 
Barbie, the butcher of Lyon, all participated, and uh, thousands of other SS. And while General Patton was occupying southern Germany, uh, he was focused on Stalin and the Soviet Union's expansion. So the United States wasn't tracking these people at all. And they just got out en masse. Most of them went to South America, where they had to be tracked down. And how they were tracked down is just an amazing read. It really is. It really is. Great, great job on this. How, what, was, what was the research like on this, Bill? Well, we, got, we caught a break because when we wrote Killing Jesus, we established a very strong relationship with the Israeli government. They helped us a lot. And we went back and said, now we're going to do a book on uh, tracking the Nazis in the SS. And they opened up their files, the Mossad files, and stuff that people had never seen. We had never seen it. It was amazing. And that's why we can put the reader on when, you get, when they're getting Eichmann. It's like a step-by-step. We take you through it step-by-step. All right? It's not some like, oh, they got him. Yeah. It's how exactly it happened. The, and, the, the scenes that you have in there where you are talking about uh, the, is it the boyfriend or the son and yes. the girlfriend, and she doesn't have any idea, and then she realizes, and they're like, hey, go look him up again and see if you can develop a relationship. And she's talking She's talking to this SS killer who she thought was nice, and she's like, and she realizes at that moment, oh, dear God, that's who he is. Yeah. Uh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of stories in there, um, like Martin Borman, uh, Hitler's yeah. assistant, who yeah, yeah, was yeah. not well known. They said he died when Hitler committed suicide mm. a few hours afterward. He didn't. And we uncovered the dental work that proved that, that proved he got away to Bariloche, Argentina. I mean, people don't know that. So the book, uh, first day out, sold more than 100,000 copies. And a lot of that's thanks to you, Beck, and I really appreciate it. Um, And it's going great, and we hope people check it out. We're thrilled. Thank you so much, Bill. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk next week, guys. You bet. Appreciate it. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. His new book is Killing the SS. All right, sponsor this half hour is FilterBuy. Uh, I have a piece of a uh, something really amazing to play for you here in just a second, something that um, is the uh, first time Eric Bowling has really talked about the death of his son and opioids. We'll play a clip of it. It is part of our um, podcast series on Saturdays. They come out. They're just one-on-one interviews. Uh, and um, and I urge you to listen to this one. It is quite fascinating with Eric Bowling. I'm going to play a clip of it coming up in a second. Filter by is a way for you to change the filter in your HVAC system. Uh, if you're like me, you like Stu, and eh, I think like a lot of men, bah, not thinking about it. No, not no. on the top of I, my mind. You almost don't even know where it is. Nope. Does the does the thing turn on when I press the button? Is it about the limit of my knowledge of the system? I'm afraid I do, you cannot ask me this question. Mm-hmm. So you just said that. I was just thinking something. So you can't ask me back. But do you know? Where, where, do you know where your your HVAC system is and where the where you change the filter? Do you know where it is in your house? I think so. I, I don't. <laughs> that was mine. I was like, I think I so. Think so it's really not good. That's yeah. not good. You have to change the filters, and neither of us know where. <clears throat> Your wife know? 
Oh, I'm sure she yeah, does. Yeah, I'm sure she does, does too. Yeah, of course she does. Okay, anyway, <laughs> filterby.com. It'll help you be a man, man. Uh, filterby.com. All you have to do is um, uh, order them online. They give you a 5% discount if you if you put a renewal in. So they send them to you. They know when your filter needs to be changed. They send them to you. Just pop it in, uh, throw the old one away, and they're all made here in America. It's filterbuy.com. Filterby.com. have some exciting things to uh, announce to you coming up in just a few minutes, and I believe there's going to be more on Monday uh, that we're, we're very excited to share with you. We'll do that in a few minutes. On the podcast this weekend, um, and you can get this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, now on Spotify as well. This weekend, Eric Bowling, a one-on-one, a conversation about what happened with his son and how it affected him. I'll add one more to that. I lost my faith that day too, Glenn. Um, I had gone to church five days a week during the week and every Sunday, uh, September 8th of 2017 was the last day, day I went to church. Um, early in the day, I had spent a long time going back and forth with Fox, with lawyers, trying to figure out w- where I was going to go forward, what was going to happen. And we, we came upon an idea that we were going to separate. I was separating from Fox. They said amicably separating bowling and Fox are amicably separating. Um, and I looked at it on that day as a, as a new beginning. And go start and go find another job somewhere, and life's going to be great. And you were going to sue. I, I didn't know what I was going to do, okay. Glenn. I, I, I will tell you that I, I, whatever was written about me was false, patently false. Mm-hmm. It was a lie. It never happened, and it, no one has ever, ever come forward. It was all anonymous mm-hmm. sourcing. Make a long story short, my lawyer said it's probably time to just cut ties with Fox and move on and go find another job. This could, this could mm-hmm. go on forever. And mm-hmm. frankly, it was going to be, my family was going to be dragged through the mud for a long time. So I decided that that was the thing to do. We cut t- ties around three o'clock in the afternoon. It was a Friday before a long weekend before Labor Day. Uh, I took my wife out to dinner that night and we were going to celebrate. The owner of the restaurant came over and said, Hey, you know, congratulations. This is a new start. We had a nice drink. On the way home, <clears throat> we got the call. Uh, we were driving home, and uh, the, the, my phone rang. There was a young man on the other side of the phone saying, Mr. Bowling, call your son. Call Eric right away. I said, what's wrong? He said, just call Eric right away. I called over there, and um, a girl answered, and her name was Kayla. He had been seeing her on and off. She was crying, and for some reason, I just went right to, um, is he alive? She said no. Uh, that, that was uh, that was a rough day. The next day, went to Colorado, and uh, the president called me. He says, "Anything we can do for you?" I said, "No, thank you." But at that day, I realized that he cared. And um, so for the next few months, I made it my mission to to create awareness around uh, opioids. Eric uh, bought a Xanax on campus. 
and it was laced with fentanyl, and it killed. So, yeah, so that was that day. Uh, and so now we are a year and two days after that, and uh, it's been a rough go. You, we can stop at any time if you don't want to talk about anything. So, um, but I think it's just an important story to to tell. Um, when you said, "Is he alive?" Why were there indications, or no. was it just a dad feeling? It was a feeling. I, who gets a call at ten thirty at night and is told to call your son right away without? explaining why and I just had the hunch and sure enough the hunch turned out to be true so um turns out he was uh he bought his Xanax on campus that was laced with fentanyl it wasn't the prescriptive Xanax he didn't know and he, he passed and was an accidental overdose um so the question you asked me was I going to sue Fox I at that moment I had no fight in me to do anything so um we spent my wife and I just got very close we spent the better part of the next year just talking to other parents, talking uh, any opportunity we could um, to get the word out that it's an epidemic. Excuse me. And, uh, and uh, people, parents need to know that, that their children are at risk. And it's a, it's a, a massive epidemic in the, in the country. Young kids need to know that one pill can kill you. They're not sure what you're ever taking. And parents need to know that your child isn't too smart, too popular, too athletic to be exposed to potentially dying from an overdose. It's a very emotional and I think important um, interview. There are, there are places that I want to go and Eric has promised to come back, but I didn't want to dogpile. We recorded this on uh, September, I think 10th. Um, and it was just a few days after the one year anniversary. And he was very, very, very raw um, it's the first time that he has really spoken out about it um, and what his thoughts are. And I think everybody, no matter what side you're on on the opioid thing, I mean, I I, um, I got an emotional call yesterday from somebody on the TV show that said, thank you for speaking up for opioids, because there are those of us who we cannot live without them. We can't. I, this woman said because of her disease, she can't even sit up in bed and she's bedridden without the opioid there are you know all of these things they're double-edged swords they're they're good when they're used properly and they are deadly when they are abused and uh it's up to each of us uh to to know what we're dealing with and they are deadly um that podcast also goes into his relationship with the president and what he has seen of the president. And uh, it's a very fascinating interview with Eric Bowling. You can find that podcast wherever you download your podcast, iTunes, now on Spotify, but everywhere. Uh, the Glenn Beck podcast. They come out every Saturday, a different interview with somebody who is truly fascinating. Well, the left's newest approach to social justice seems to be violence. The days of fighting bad ideas are over. Now it's about fighting people, uh, not even people with bad ideas, just people with different ideas. We've all seen the footage from last week. The social justice fuel man who roundhouse kicked a woman because of her pro-life stance. 
Sadly, I have to report today a similar thing has happened just yesterday when a woman at a pro-life rally near the university in Toronto, Canada, was assaulted by a pro-life protester. The protester doesn't seem to be the right term here, more like steroid-fueled wrestler. The footage is really hard to watch, but I think it's important to watch because it is definitely an example of... You're not going to believe this. We're not playing it on the air for obvious reasons, but if you want to check it out for yourself, here's what the woman herself had to say. Okay, okay sorry, we don't have a saw. She chased after me, grabbed my full stainless steel water ball, a bottle, and smashed it on the ground, then grabbed my backpack, yanking me back and forth, yelling, get away from me. Then she came after me and shoved me. She then moved on to Blazy, bumping him in the chest with hers and saying, let's go. Are you filming me? Let's do this. The woman then proceeds to pick up a metal handcart and beat the woman with it. So in other words, a person who is supposedly protesting for women's rights violently attacked a woman for exercising her women's rights. At this point, it is impossible to keep up with the contradictions. I've lost count on them. However, it's yet another warning that we are slipping into a zone that we have not seen necessarily uh, before or at least in a very, very long time. It's Friday, October 12th. You're listening to the Glenbeck Program. All right. I have a quick uh, announcement uh, to make uh, for the uh, Blaze. The Blaze Radio Network is um, a very fast and growing, uh, a very big and fast growing uh, network of people that are are listening all around the uh, country who would like, you know, sometimes um, a... Uh, a a strong look at the view uh, at the news and also a funny look at the news. Uh, and today we're announcing a couple of changes. If you happen to have listened to the Blaze Radio Network, you know that we always had the uh, Morning Blaze with uh, Doc Thompson. Doc's been with us for a long time. If you ever listen to him, you know his entrepreneurial spirit, and he for a long time has wanted to start his own thing, uh, and he has, and he built it while he was working here, and we all knew about it. It's uh, Mojo, I think. Mojo, Mojo 5 Mojo 5 and it is uh, it's something, it's his own thing. Uh, how could I not, how could I do anything but love a guy who says, I want to strike out on my own. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Uh, and so we wish him all the uh, success in the world. And uh, we wish him the very, very best on Mojo 5.0. That left an opening. Well, we happen to have the best morning guy in the country. Oh. You know, I know I'm doing it, um, and, but I'm kind of locked down to this one. So I had to find the second best morning guy <laughs> in the country. Uh, and that is, of course, Pat Gray. Uh, so Pat is going to be moving uh, to mornings, but you can still hear him on his podcast and, and everything else. And you'll hear him in the mornings preceding this program. Then to replace uh, Pat Gray, who is very hard to replace because he is not only funny and entertaining, but he also has a great intellect and uh, truly understands uh, our founding and the founding principles. So we wanted somebody with some uh, real uh, meat on the bones and a guy who I have really grown to love, but he already had another job uh, is Steve Dace. 
Steve works for CRTV, uh, but we have convinced CRTV to also kind of it's kind of like a Warner Brothers and, uh, you know, the old uh, Paramount Studios deal where we're like, okay, well, you can use our star for this movie. (laughs) And we've convinced them to uh, let us use Steve to uh, do a program immediately after this. And welcome to the program now, Steve Dace. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you guys. And uh, we're really, really excited about this. It starts on Monday. Yeah, starts on Monday. He's still going to be on CRTV. He's still going to be doing his CRTV thing, but he's doing uh, two hours uh, for us every day. If anybody, if they don't know who you are, explain who you are. I I think, you know, we have a a slightly different way of doing things uh, than what you would probably typically hear in conservative uh, talk radio. Uh, one is we're mindful of the things we're actually trying to conserve because kind of nowadays conservative means I'm not a communist. You know? <laughs> so we keep moving that bar. But you were just moving it with Pat when you say he was the second best one. Here's what we didn't yeah. tell you, Pat. It's he's number one, and then space bar, space bar, space bar. You're number two, right? Okay? That's called moving the <laughs> Thank bar. Thank you. Right? This is why this is why he is a genius. <laughs> so you know we actually talk about the things we're trying to conserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, the values and virtues that made America exceptional and where they came from in the first place. We, we like to start arguments even more than we like to win them uh, mm-hmm. because we think that one of the big problems in our country, there's this idea that we're really divided and we're arguing all the time. Guys, we're not arguing at all. I mean, what we're doing is we're grabbing 17 burner accounts on social media, calling each other anonymous names, uh, returning to the uh, uh, the fart factory uh, of, of the, the smell that we prefer of our own tribe. Uh-huh. Uh, and to never retreat from our own native sweat lodge, convinced we're right about absolutely everything while we're lobbing verbal bombs at our neighbor over there we never talked to, and we're calling that an argument, okay? I actually think we need some real arguments. We actually need to have both sides come out. Uh, you know, I kind of, I, I think the truth is its own reward, and the truth is our friend, uh-huh. and I am perfectly fine having a truthful conversation with people on the other side. So can you have, because I've, I've started having them myself. I had Dr. Uh, Deborah So mm-hmm. uh, in studio this weekend or this last week. Um, we had Dave Rubin. Who else, uh, Stu, here recently? Michael Reckenwald. Mm-hmm. Michael Reckenwald is a guy who used to write for the Communist Newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't agree on everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for the people who you can't have a conversation with somebody who is whose goal it is to say rights apply to certain people and not to others. Is there, isn't there a, there is a line of who you can have a conversation with. There is. And, you know, we try to equip our audience to see some of those lines. And I think we need to understand two distinctions in our culture today, gentlemen. We need to understand the distinction between an opponent and an enemy and a liberal and a leftist. An opponent is someone who disagrees with you, maybe even vehemently, and will do whatever they can within the boundaries of the of you know what's acceptable in terms of cultural warfare to defeat your ideas in the arena of ideas. An enemy is somebody who wants to end you. An enemy is somebody who has no interest in sharing a neighborhood with you, sharing a school with you, a little league game with you, uh, an office building with you. Uh, and then you look at what's the difference between a liberal and a leftist. I, you know, a liberal is somebody that wants government to permit you to do things. God says are immoral and dumb. A leftist <laughs> is somebody that wants government to compel you to do those things. And if you will not do those things that God says are immoral and dumb, then you, as Eric Erickson likes to say, you will be made to care. The full coercive power of government will be brought down upon thee uh, because you, it, it's, you know, resistance is futile. And you're watching this existential transition happening on the left in our culture. 
And there aren't really too many liberals anymore. The reason why you're struggling to find people to have these conversations with in the media arena where we work is there's not too many of them left. I think there are, though, outside of outside of the media arena. I agree that there are. You know, I I think that's what people people think that I want to have conversations with, you know, I want to you're you're going to bring in so and so and you're going to have a conversation with them. You can't talk to them. No, Nancy Pelosi. I can't talk Agreed. to you. She has no interest in talking. She has to no you. interest. She wants to end you. She doesn't want to share a country right. with you. She right. just it's it, it, the best thing is that you could possibly say the most charitable thing on both sides is they just want to win. Mm-hmm. So they'll do anything to win. And some of them will go so far as when they leave the room, go that guy's got to be stopped. Um, and that's dangerous, but that's not who I'm talking about. Now, I, I talk about my mom a lot because she had me at 15. She got pregnant with me at 14. She found out she was pregnant uh, with me Christmas break 1972. And Roe v. Wade happens a month later. And she decides not to have an abortion. And so my mom and I literally grew up together. And, you know, I become mm. this Alex P. Keaton wannabe kid of the 80s. And she's your typical single mom. Government should do for people what they can't do for themselves, you know, and, 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 and has a different view of politics than me. And for many years, we couldn't talk about politics. And so as I started growing more in conservative media, we just agreed we wouldn't bring it up when we got together as a family because it got in the way of everything. Mm-hmm. Funny things happened the last few years, though, guys. She is bringing it up now to me. And she's semi-retired now because of medical disability. And so she watched a lot of what's on your screens. I don't watch any cable news at all, frankly. I, I can't. I can't ingest Hang on it. A sec. Do you? Yeah. Do you watch it? Never. Do you watch well, it? Soon? Except when I'm on the air. Just yeah. Yeah. For updates. Now, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 unless it's that's, mm-hmm. Hang on just a second. I want the audience mm-hmm. to know that's unheard of mm-hmm. in our business. Mm-hmm. That that you could not have done this job. Agreed. Without watching cable news. Yeah. Three years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I keep up on clips that go viral in social yeah. media. Yes, me too. But long form, it's just toxic ingestion mm-hmm. into the veins. Yep. Yeah. You know, my mom watches a lot more of this. She actually likes your show quite a bit, oh, thank actually. You. And um, She's a brilliant woman. <laughs> but one of the things she came to me one day before the 2012 election, and she brought it up. She started bringing politics up to me, um, you know, unprovoked. And she said, you know, I was so happy when Barack Obama won in 08 that we had shattered the racial ceiling. Mm-hmm. And, and out of the blue, she said to me, she goes, I, I wonder sometimes when I watch the things he says and he does, if he's actually a communist. <laughs> I mean, this just blew me away. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I watched the way, you know, my mom is one of those people that is fine, likes Obamacare. Thinks that Medicare for all is okay. We need to be able to provide yeah. things like healthcare for people. Yeah. She's not fine with if you don't change your religion for the government, we shut you down and put you in jail. Exactly She's not fine right. with we we, yes. we give five hundred million dollars a year yes. of your money to Planned Parenthood. So, She's not fine with that stuff. So so I've I've recently come to this feeling that we have caused problems um, of communication because we have seen. Obamacare and we know what the we know those who designed it we know they want single payer mm-hmm. health care okay we know that they are socialist that are drawing this up but the people who like your mom and the regular people on the on the liberal side on the democratic side they're not for communism they're not for the end of capitalism mm-hmm. they just believe in more welfare mm-hmm. okay they just believe in a bigger hand to help and so when we say this is socialism they hear that as you're a communist mm-hmm. and they're like we're not communists right and so we have we have put a giant blanket over the entire voting public of democrats and made them feel like we're calling them communists they don't feel like they're communists, and they're not communists. 
but it is provide that cover has provided cover, if you will, for the actual Marxist communists that are that are trying to say end of capitalism. Mm-hmm. When, when you look at, you know, for the last 25 years, I've been involved in full time uh, political advocacy, either as a host or an activist, or I've worked on numerous campaigns. Uh, I've, I've run the gamut. I've done everything in our movement other than run for office, basically myself. And um, when, when you look at the for the la- for all the course of our careers, the GOP consultancy industry has has designed a strategy to chase a voter that does not exist. And this is filtered down into the talking points we in conservative media get from these people. And that is that the average GOP consultant believes America wants um, wants limited government like the Koch brothers and Sodom and Gomorrah at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's actually totally in reverse. The majority of, and, and you know, it's fascinating, is Pew did a huge study on this, breaking it down in the 2016 electorate. Uh, the, the, libertar- the myth of the libertarian voter, that's how they define them, that, that voter largely does not exist. It's a unicorn, okay? The reality is, and I've seen this on every GOP campaign and for every candidate from state house to president I've ever worked on, the amount of pushback we get on our social beliefs compared to you're the party of big business who wants to lay me off and doesn't care about me, guys, it's 10 to 1 at minimum. It's not even close. And, and the reality is most voters are in favor of bigger government with better moral values. And this is the secret sauce that Trump tabbed into in the last election. The irony is the, the ultimate hedonist absolutely embraces all of these cultural flashpoints. He didn't say, he didn't give you the token, I'm pro-life. He stood up in front of 100 million people at the presidential debate and said, I'm going to appoint justices that will overturn Roe. Okay? Um, I mean, he has he has embraced, the whether it's the NFL issue, which has kind of become a phony issue now, mm-hmm. but all of the cultural flashpoints, you know, I've always believed if Mitt Romney would have just eaten a chicken sandwich about mid-August of 2016, or 2012, when he had Chick-fil-A Day, he'd have been president of the United States, but he wouldn't even eat a chicken sandwich. Every, every moment Mitt Romney had a chance in that campaign to punt on a cultural flashpoint, he did. Every moment John McCain had mm-hmm. to punt on a cultural flashpoint, even lecturing guys like you about not using Barack Obama's real middle name. Remember mm-hmm. those days? Yes. He punted on every one of those. Trump said cultural flashpoints. I'm aware. I'm going to put it on my face. I'm going to marinate in it. I'm going to bathe in it. Whether I believe any of this stuff or not, I'm a businessman, and I know when a market wants a product, and I'm going to give it to them. And you see the way that our base responded to that. Okay, so let's, let's talk about uh, the uh, the result of that, the good things and the bad things, and what the Democrats are now saying, and go back to the violence that I told you at the beginning of the half hour. Uh, when we come back, again, Steve Dace begins on the Blaze Radio Network, and uh, and also he remains on uh, uh, CRTV, and we are grateful for their uh I don't know their friendship, uh, their friendship here. Um, but uh, Steve starts on Monday and right after this program and Pat begins the morning blaze. Pat slightly unleashed mad dog because <laughs> he's now tired and cranky uh, on Monday as well. All right. Our sponsor this half hour is Simply Safe. Pat, how much were you paying before you got Simply Safe? Almost 60 bucks a month. 60 bucks a month. How mm-hmm. many years? It had gone from 31 to 60, like and, in one move. And how many uh, How many months had you paid? 60? Yeah. Uh, one. Okay. And then I switched. How many were you paying 30? A uh, long time. A couple years, years, yeah. Right? Several years. Have you ever done the math on that to see? How, uh, no, but thank you for bringing that up because yeah. now I'm 
probably I mean, going to be obsessed with doing that. Right. <laughs> when you when you bought Simply Safe, mm-hmm. you paid for it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you probably paid for it in less than ten months. I'm guessing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you don't pay anything else except if you want the monitoring. Do you get the monitoring? Yes. Fourteen ninety nine a month. Okay. Simply Safe. It is just the best built safe, uh, the best built uh, uh, system to keep your family safe. It is uh, smart technology. It is new technology. It whether the phone line goes down, the Wi-Fi goes down. It's, it's I don't care if somebody's taking a baseball bat and beating it. It's still calling the police. Uh, it has gotten uh, the top pick for home security from CNET and all of the uh, technology you know um, uh, experts. It's Simply Safe. Order it right now. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. If you use the promo code Beck, you're going to save 10% off your home security system. It is SimplySafeBeck.com. Welcome to the program. So glad that you're here. Returning with uh, Steve Dace, Pat Gray, uh, Stu, uh, Steve Bergier, our executive producer, and of course, my charming self. Um, we're talking about uh, the Democrats and what they have done this week just with Hillary Clinton coming out and saying you can't have a civil conversation with these people. I don't know who these people are, that these people used to be a sign of racism, uh, but you can't talk about these people. Uh, and then Eric Holder, in the week that we have a video of somebody actually kicking a protester, mm-hmm. um we have Eric Holder saying, uh, kick them when they're down. Is this the, is this the, uh, is this the beginning of the end for the Democrats or is this the end of the beginning? Ah, um, I, I hope it's the beginning of the end because, um, I, I think most Americans with a, with, with any sensibility left in them, uh, are being turned off by the Democrats right now. I, I think they've, you know, we've talked about this many times. I think maybe now they have overplayed their hand. We thought maybe that would have happened a year or two or three or four ago. But um, I think after the Kavanaugh hearings and all that's going on now with this civility thing that they're completely issuing, uh, uh, I think I think people have had enough of them. So is it important for us to change, uh, say, I think people have had enough of the Democrats because of that blanket? People who vote Democrat think wait, I'm a Democrat, or is it better to say, I think people have enough of this leftist yeah. uh, movement? I, I think it's the latter. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, you're you're watching, I know it's a popular term in another context these days, but you're watching a transition happen. And, you know, we kind of pretended as if on the right that just surrendering uh, – America's youth ministry, known as our education system, mm-hmm. to cultural Marxist for 40 years, um, wasn't going to have any repercussions whatsoever. And now you're watching the first fruits of that harvest are coming home to roost at the moment. Uh, and we are, we're, we're not even, I don't even think we're polarized anymore. I think we're balkanized, if you get the reference that I'm making here. So okay. l- let's, let's pick it up there. How do we, um, how do we com- come back and, and how do we start reaching out to the people who actually do have much more in common with us because they do believe in the Bill of Rights, even though the people in Washington may not? Back in a minute. So I talked about this a little bit on the news and why it matters last night. Uh, and I, and I asked the, the group, 
was a turning point for the Democratic Party, the leadership. I think it was. There was a spiritual turning point, and it was when they denied God three times in their platform. I mean, I just I find it incredible that they actually did it three times. I mean, it's just so biblical. Mm -hmm. And you are you're seeing. uh, In you're seeing the things that I talked about in my in my novel, The Eye of Moloch, people don't know that they are repeating rituals. They don't know that what's really going on, but they're, we are repeating old Testament stuff. Mm -hmm. The Democrats really are. Progressivism. And I think this is why the church is on the defensive collectively in the culture. It's because it is, it's looked at the clown show that we often see on right wing cable news of guys who pretend to be ministers, but really they're just ministers of the church or whoever the GOP guy that gives them a mm. seat at the table at the moment is. Or and, the Democrats. Or the Democrats yeah. on the other side, you're right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in terms of people who have a discerning spirituality, which would tend to lean more conservative. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of uh, discerning people in our pulpits that have decided they don't want to be the next Ralph Reed clown show on cable news, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they're just going to vacate the public sphere altogether, which is kind mm-hmm. of a false choice, really. Yeah. Uh, and it's because they don't understand that progressivism isn't a political ideology. It's a religion. Mm-hmm. It is, it's the, it's the, and I say this on our show all the time, Glenn, it's the, it's the Arius, Marcion, Pelagius, if you know great heretics throughout the course of the history of the church, that's what this is of this era. It has its own hermeneutic. It has its own creation mythos and Darwinism. It has its own ecclesiology where the state essentially replaces the church and government is the, becomes God. Like Chesterton said, when the government removes the God, the government will become the God. And that's what you're dealing with here. The same reaction you're getting from leftists when you trigger them on their, on their statism is the same reaction that you would get with your beliefs if you walk down the, walk down the streets of Amman, Jordan, a quote unquote moderate Arab nation. Walk down the streets of Amman, Jordan, where their queen is a 75 on a scale of 1 to 10, and the king seems to be a moderner, modernist, mm-hmm. right? Walk down the streets of Amman, Jordan, and say this, okay? Say, um, Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Make sure you're wearing Kevlar and find out first if they have a Second Amendment in, in Amman, Jordan, because your life will be in danger. And that's what you're witnessing here. This is religious fervor. Yeah. You're, you're attacking their idol. This is not mere political disagreement. This isn't even just fundamental, existential, philosophical disagreement. This is religious fervor. You're dealing with the lucid sanity that cults produce. I just want to say the first part of that uh, dissertation, I only understood about 10% of it. But, <laughs> but Pat... Uh, <laughs> Pat, say some short words. Say something. Uh, say something. <laughs> translate that into human language. Uh, I, I, th- I think we see that with global warming, with uh, with their reaction to abortion, mm-hmm. with this Roe v. Wade thing that means absolutely everything. They worship at the altar of these things. Mm-hmm. It it really is a religious fervor you know, that you, you see with them. And and this is kind of the the point of the eye of eye of Moloch is this is Baal. This yes. is this yes. is yeah. they and you're worship. right. They don't necessarily know no, that. No, no, they don't know it. But the, that doesn't change the fact that right. that's what they're doing. It was the worship of the environment and the sacrifice yep. of your children. Mm-hmm. He wanted your children to be sacrificed on an idol. You would have promiscuous sex at a celebration of Baal. Mm-hmm. You could do anything in the woods in the groves in the groves and then when you got pregnant he would call you back and they would slaughter 
slaughter the newborn baby. Mm-hmm. Right. That, I mean, it is exactly the worship of Baal. There's mm-hmm. nothing new under the sun. You know, when when St. Paul is looking back on the time period, who himself a Jew, so he grew up in the Jewish schools, he knows this history very well. When he's looking back in, at that time period is when he writes forward thinking in a New Testament world in Romans 1. When, he's, when, he's, when he talks about the wrath of God revealed on the world. And he, but he, I used to think when I was a baby believer that if, if cultures did bad stuff, it would cause God to act. The more you study Romans 1, I think it's actually the other way around. I, I think we do bad stuff because we denied that God is acting, meaning it's a, it's a self-enforcing mechanism. The natural law, uh, it, it kind of enforces itself. And so you're dealing with people that, what's the line in the, in the New Testament there? When you exchange the truth for a lie. So there's one big macro truth in, in the universe. And there's lots, but there's lots of eyes, right? Or lots of lies. So when you exchange the truth for a lie, you're given over to a debased mind. And that's what you're talking about. And I go back, you know, one of the, my favorite movie rants when I was a kid, and it's probably a terribly placed analogy, but Donald Pleasant's rant in the first Halloween movie about Michael Myers, he can't be killed, he can't be stopped, he can't be reasoned with, right? When he's going off about him and what he was like in the insane asylum, that's what you're dealing with here. There's no talking. Look at the guy who kicked, who kicked, drop kicked the woman in Canada. One, he's wearing a pentagram around his neck if you go look at his picture closely. Okay, I mean, that's just self-awareness is dead in your face kind of stuff. Look at the way he talks to her. He's really polite. He's asking her what she thinks. He's totally lucid. He's not crazed. He's not a raving, roving mob. Okay, and then when she said when she when she refuses to bow to the same idol that he is all he is worshiping, the total countenance changes and he drop kicks her. Look at this Hirono woman from Hawaii that's on television all the time now. I mean, her account, the way she looks, she looks like when you take your bride to, to Hawaii for a vacation or a honeymoon and you get off the plane, she's there with a plate of sweet rolls ready to welcome you to the islands. She just looks like the sweetest old woman, doesn't she? Then she starts talking mm-hmm. about politics, man. And she opens her mouth and it's brood of viper stuff comes out. Yeah. And I, this, this is, I, this is, this is <laughs> lucid sanity that cults produce with idolatry. I like, I, I feel like, you know, when you discover a new band and you know, get excited, like the next album's going to be amazing and like you're in, in on it early that's how i feel with Hirono right now yeah she's just starting to say these crazy things she's gonna be a legend in conservative mm-hmm. talk radio yes. because she is she can't help herself she doesn't seem to know what the lines are of what she, she's gonna be our next maxine waters yes and i'm excited about it yes i thought you were gonna say you know and you think you're really early on a band blah 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 and, and you know you're, you may not be but you discover it and you're like Boston is great. (laughs) I think there's probably a lot of people that are feeling that way about Steve Dace. uh, And he begins on Monday, right after this program, as Pat moves in uh, on uh, on mornings on Monday. It's going to be cool. You're going to hear words you've never heard in my time slot before. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just discovered that, didn't we? And I I might even know what some of them mean. Maybe. I'm just going to start throwing stuff out there and hope it sounds smart. What's a really... amazing there are two kinds of people that use those kinds of words they're the people who use them because they want to sound smart and they're you know they're 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 just positioning themselves and then Mm -hmm. there are people who just assume that everyone is as well read as they are (laughs) and uh those people piss me off because they're real and they're really (laughs) smart and that happens to be you steve dace uh joining us uh from uh, crtv he is still going to be doing his crtv thing uh but he is uh, going to be live on the blaze radio network uh and television network Mm -hmm. i think as well 
Eastern time. Uh, noon to two Eastern time. So immediately following this program. And uh, an important question for Pat uh, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the move to mornings. Mm-hmm. Does more on trivia continue? It does. Oh, yes. All Second right. hour on Friday. All right. I think That's we big. need a I think we need the uh, the uh, short version of that every week for this program. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, I think we need to take the highlights and put them on this program. That'd be great. Uh, so we can so we can follow more on trivia. So we'll we'll do that. Um, uh, anybody going to see the Moonshot movie this weekend? Oh, oh that's right. Starts yeah. uh, First Man. Yeah, I'm going to see it. I think this weekend it's PG. So I'd I think like I'm to because taking it looks yeah. really good. Yeah, I'm taking my kids to it this weekend, and I will bet you that it is not the offensive anti-American movie. Well, they said the flag is planted. They just don't make a big deal out of that scene, right? Isn't that, isn't that yeah, what see, we heard? Yeah, I was all in on this movie. I, I, I don't need a movie to affirm my values, <laughs> but it can't agate prop them at the same time, right? I mm-hmm. mean, this wasn't a global event. This was something the American right. yes. people came together to accomplish. Yes. And so when they tried to downplay it, I'm already like, you know what, man, I'm not giving you my money. To but hang on, on just a second. Me it's raining. It is a global event. But it is also an American achievement. Uh, that's okay. I'm fine right. with that distinction. I mean, if okay. you're taking mm-hmm. off the flag off the side of the uniform. And I probably the, should have said glo- it wasn't a global achievement, but an American one. I, yes. I, that's yeah. true. Okay. And it was yeah. a human achievement, yeah. but it took the Americans to say, uh, let's do it. In, let's do it in a decade. Yeah. Let's do it in a decade. Yeah. All right. Um, back in just a minute with more of the program. First, let me tell you about Mercury Real Estate. You want your, holds, your home sold on time and for the most amount of money without all sorts of excuses. You live in uh, Iowa. Yeah. How's that working out for you? Other than um, we have state income tax and winter it's kind of like Texas. <laughs> winter. <laughs> Did you see such yeah. the disdain in my voice? Yeah. Well, yes. winter and taxes, uh, those are kind of big. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, if you need to sell your home, I'm just saying, you're welcoming. We need a balance to all the people that are moving in from California. Uh, anyway, you need to sell your home on time and for the most amount of money. We have the real estate agent for you. If you're looking for a home in uh, another part of the country and you need to find a real estate agent that will actually listen to you and then get the most bang for the buck for you, realestateagentsitrust.com. We have over a thousand agents all over America. They're just like you. They're fans of the show. Their their word is their bond. They're, they just want to do the right thing. So. You want somebody like that who has been vetted for their uh, track record. They're the best in your area. They are all fully vetted by us. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Done here. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Welcome to the program. Uh, Glad you're back. Um, just talking to Steve off the air. He's fascinating. He is yeah. really, really, really uh, fascinating. Yeah, he's one of those guys too. Is you know really walked through the fire for his principles, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I, that's something I really respect. I really like what he says about Donald Trump. Donald Trump's not the problem. He's just he's a reflection of of us, and he's reflecting that part of us that says get him. I mean, he's really he's really done his homework on on Donald Trump, and and. And how bright he is on reflecting the people. And it really, when you look at how Donald Trump is reflecting uh, the zeitgeist, if you will, it really shows how wrong the Democrats, uh, the Democratic leadership really is. They're just... 
they're off the deep end. I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this off the air, but uh, there's a story in the New York Times today. This is the headline in the New York Times. Michelle Obama wanted Democrats to go high. Now they aren't so sure. And it goes through the Eric Holder uh, quote, uh, when they go low, we kick them. Michael Avenatti, when they go uh, low, I say hit back harder. Um, Hillary Clinton, uh, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for. Um, When we win, that's when civility can start again. Um, There was another uh, Joe Biden. If I were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. I mean, this is, as they point out, this is the new Democratic Party. What's the difference between that and Donald Trump saying, when they hit me, I hit him back twice as hard? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, that's... They're, this what they're saying they are trying to oppose is Donald Trump. Yes, right. I mean, I, you know, they're not. I, they're not certainly not selling themselves as the new Donald Trumps. Mm-hmm. They're saying that Donald Trump is so bad we must act this way. Um, so I mean, I you know I don't like it from anybody. So I mean, I, I've certainly yeah. been clear about that over the years. But still, I don't think that that it's it's an amazing thing. I think because you look at Michelle Obama, who who is the only one that I saw out of all of the Democrats who came out and said the Holder comments were bad. That's her phrase that was being criticized, right? Mm-hmm. But she was she was saying like, no, that's not the right way. Now, to me, that is complete lip service. The Obama administration paid lip service to civility. Yes. They paid lip service to bipartisanship. They paid lip service to but a lot of that's things. That's what made them almost unbeatable for the average person, right? They they won twice based on that. Mm-hmm. And even though they were just as hard nosed as any other Democrat, just as hard nosed, they at least tried. To hide it. This switch is now overt. We are harassing Maxine Waters. We're harassing people in restaurants. Harass them. Go after them. Several Democrats have said this now. It is the new policy, seemingly, of the Democratic movement, as defined by Eric Holder, who said this is the new Democratic Party. And it's amazing how they all claim to be the new civil rights leaders. Because they're all emulating Malcolm X. They are not emulating Martin Luther King. Yeah, that was really the, the, the that was the his deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's what won the civil rights. I contend if Malcolm, if if Martin Luther King would have swung back and they would have followed Malcolm X, things might have been worse for Demo- for uh, for blacks for a while. I mean, you go back very rarely does that does that tactic work, right? I mean, people want. They don't want to think of themselves as no as you know animals harassing innocent people in no. restaurants. I mean, that's not something that anyone wants to. They, you don't want to associate yourself with those people, Mm-mm. right? And you know, you see that occasionally on the right with certain groups who who go down these roads. You know, the alt right, for example. You, what you'll hear from conservatives about the alt right, generally speaking, is either they're horrible, horrible, and people and totally wrong on all these issues, or they don't exist. Right. Like there's very few people are like, you know what? The alt right's pretty darn great. I mean, Breitbart famously, uh, you know, and I don't not not to, you know, but Steve Bannon was the one who said that, that Breitbart was the platform for the alt right. But really outside of Steve Bannon, you've seen almost no embrace of these groups, Mm -mm. uh, largely because no one wants to be associated with them. Right. Right. Like who wants to I don't want to I don't want anyone to think I'm friends with that guy. Right. It's just a normal human instinct. And that's not even Nazis. That's alt right. Really, nobody even knows what alt-right is. I mean, if the average person, they just see them as people who are going out in the streets and, you know, uh, beating people up or torching people or, or marching, yeah. you know, against, you know, Jews and blacks and everything else. And you're like, I don't want to be a part of that. 
I just don't want right. it. That's uh, ugly. I, I don't mean, want that. Obviously, Ick. there was an actual death in Charlottesville, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And everyone would say that that is horrific. Um, but you know, most but there was of the people also, who were there, right? Like we're just marching around with torches and saying horrible things. Do you want to be associated with any of them? Right. No, no. But the left also there was sh- the shooting yeah. of of our uh, of our congressman a year ago, and it's like it never even happened. Nobody. The guy who was arrested this weekend. Um, I think it was CBS that was reporting this. He was arrested because he had built a 200 pound bomb and was going to blow yeah. himself up on election day. They didn't even report that he was a leftist. I mean, they just won't recognize it. Uh, and, you know, who on the left is standing up against that? Who's standing up and going, oh, we don't want to be. No, that's not us. We don't want to be a part of that. They just deny that it ever happened. And it gives them this ability just to silently endorse them. Glenn Beck, Mercury.